This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Yeah? Okay, good afternoon, everyone. I want to speak to, to you today about an unusual subject. One of the greatest rabbis of our generation, maybe even of the last century, passed away this past year. He lived in B'nai Brak. His name was Rabbi Chaim Kenievsky. And he was a sage in his 90s. He had mastery of, over the whole Torah. And he had a great uncle. An uncle. This uncle's name was the Chazoin Ish. Rabbi Avram Yeshaya Karelitz. The Chazoin Ish. And the Chazonish once went into a school to farher, it's a Yiddish word, to test the boys and their learning. And he was asking them questions on the Gemara. And one boy in the, in the back, a rambunctious kid, he says, ooh, 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 ooh. And the Rebbe's like, you know, put your hand there. You don't, you don't ask this great rabbi questions. You know, he asks you the question. You don't ask him the question. And the boy's, ooh, ooh. And the Chazonish said, you know what? I'll answer you after the class. So the, the test was over. And the Chazonish says to the young boy, okay, what did you want to ask? And the young boy says, Rabbi, I just have one question. How did you become the Chazonish? Like what good deed did you do that you were elevated to be the greatest Jew in the whole generation? And that, that's a pretty challenging question. And surprisingly, the Chazonish said, it was the honor that I showed to my mother. Kiva Rava'im. Which is a very telling answer. In fact, when people would come to Reb Chaim Knievsky, when they reached the age 13 for a boy or 12 for a girl, and ask, okay, now I'm obligated in the mitzvahs, which mitzvah should I focus on? Should I be extra careful to observe? Reb Chaim Knievsky would always say, be careful in the mitzvah of honor your father and mother. And I want to speak today in a, for a, shuf, a few short minutes about the importance and the power of the mitzvah of Kibbut Avaim. It's very interesting that the Jewish people have a mortal enemy. He's symbolized by an individual in the Chumash who's like the father head of the nations of the world that try to destroy us and try to obliterate the Jewish people. He was a red, hairy guy. Do you know who I'm talking about? Esav. Esav. Esav is Ha'edoim, the red guy. The guy who eats the beans. He's hairy. And you know, Esav had a descendant who also tried to destroy the Jewish people. A few thousand years later, in the times of Purim, anybody remember what his name was? Haman. Yeah, exactly, Boo. You know? It's interesting. And who was the opposite of Haman? Who came, who is the Jewish hero who was able to vanquish Haman? Esther. Yeah, we're going to go with Esther today, okay? That's also a good answer, but it's not the answer I'm looking for. So I'm looking for the Esther answer. We're going to go with Esther today. Esther. Interestingly, Esther's father was... I don't know. And who was her mother? I don't know. 
She had no father, she had no mother. And the Medrash actually says that God said in the times of Purim, I can only save you through the hands of someone who has no father and no mother. Only an orphan girl could save the Jewish people. Why only an orphan girl? Now, another question. Who is the antithesis of Esav? Who is the arch-rival of Esav? Anybody know? Almost. Yaakov is what we call the fire. But who's the flame that obliterates Esav? V'haya Esav Lakash. Esav Estra. V'haya Esav Beis Yaakov Esh. Yaakov is the fire. Yosef is the flame. Yosef destroys Esav. You know that? Yosef is the arch rival of Esav. It's very interesting. Who's Yosef's mother? Rachel. Why did Rachel merit to have the arch rival, the one who's going to destroy Esav? I think the, I never saw this anywhere, but I think the answer is, is very clear, but you have to pay attention. Remember Leah? Leah had very tender eyes. Why were Leah's eyes tender? She was always crying. Why was she always crying? Because everybody would say, Rachel will marry... Listen carefully, okay? Rachel will marry Yaakov, and Leah will marry Esav. Everybody always say, Leah will marry Esav. So she's always crying, Oh, you have to marry the red hairy guy. So Rachel had this picture over her bed of this big tzaddik Yaakov, and all of Leah's friends would make fun of her and they would put the picture of the red guy over, you know, this is going to be your groom one day. So Leah was always crying. But then Leah ended up marrying Yaakov. Why did Leah marry Yaakov? Who gave up Yaakov to Leah? Rachel. Rachel did, us a, uh, did her sister a big chesed. She gave up her groom to Leah. So now who's going to marry Esav? Now Rachel has to marry Esav. So when Yosef was born, Rachel said, Shh, it's a good thing I had a kid with Yaakov, because otherwise I would have fallen into the lot of Esav. So Hashem tells Rachel like this, You did such a favor to your sister, you gave up Yaakov to Leah, and you thought now you're going to have to marry Esav, not only will you not have to marry Esav, you will merit to have the son who's going to destroy Esav. So she was awarded and rewarded with the antidote to Esav because she gave up Yaakov and, she, and part of that was she, she would have had to fall to the lot of Esav. Now Esav was a bad guy. Esav was a murderer. Esav was low character. Esav did every sin in the book. He stole, he robbed. But there was one mitzvah that Esav did more than anyone else actually in history. What was Esav's specialty? He honored his dad. In fact, Rabbi Shimon ben Gamliel would comment that I don't hold a candle to Esav in honoring my father. Because Esav, when he honored his father, he would put on special clothing to honor his father. But I can't do that. I'm not on that level. I just honor him, but I don't put on special clothing. Now, if the antidote of Esav is Yosef, then Yosef will have to match Esav measure for measure. Yosef's going to have to be the paragon, the paradigm, of honoring your father. And we're going to talk about that in a moment. Now this amazing thing, when Haman came to destroy the Jewish people, 
he has to have some merit backing his efforts. So he said, sure, I have great merit. I come from Haman. I come from Esau, excuse me. And Esau was the greatest mechabed av. He was the greatest honorer, honorer of his father. And I'm going to be bolstered, I'm going to be supported with that great mitzvah from my great-grandfather Esau. So God had no choice but to prepare that the Savior of the Jewish people should be someone who had no father and had no mother? Listen very carefully. It's an amazing principle. There's a concept in Judaism. It's mentioned in the Gemara and Brachos, that if somebody wants to do a mitzvah, and they wish they could do a mitzvah, and circumstances limit them, and they don't have the opportunity to do the mitzvah, God says, I will consider it, I will reckon it as if you fulfilled the mitzvah. The only one who could stand up to Haman, backed by the kibbutz Av of Esav, is someone who their whole life they wished, I wish I could fulfill the mitzvah of honoring my father. I wish I could fulfill the mitzvah of honoring my mother. I can't, unfortunately I don't have parents. So God looked at Esther's heart. And he saw in her heart the true desire, the yearning, the wish. She wishes she could have had a father and mother to honor. God awarded her the mitzvah of Kibar Aveim. And that mitzvah, when God awards a mitzvah, He doesn't award like a half-hearted mitzvah. He awards a full-fledged mitzvah. He awarded Esther the greatest possible mitzvah of Kibar Aveim. And that destroyed Haman. By the way, that's a very important lesson to bear in mind. You know, sometimes uh, we wish, you know, I wish I had more opportunities to do mitzvahs. I feel I'm limited by circumstance, I'm limited by capability, I'm limited by resource. In Judaism, we believe that anytime a person has a genuine desire and will to, fulfill, to fulfill a mitzvah, if they're not able to because of the circumstances that they're dealt, Hashem considers it as if you actually fulfilled the mitzvah. So now, Esav is going to square off against who? Yosef. So Yosef's going to have to show that he's also uh, a match for Esav's kibbutz avayim. Do you remember Yosef wore a special garment who remembers what Yosef's special garment was called? The multicolored dream coat. You know what that's called? The Kesoynes Pasim. The Kesoynes Pasim. Yosef had this colorful garment. And simply we understand Yaakov loved Yosef, so he gave him this special coat. Pasim. Literally it means Yaakov made for Yosef a special coat. But some commentaries explain the Pasuk, the, the Shevet Musar explains the Pasuk. Yosef loved his father so much, and he wanted to honor his father so much, that he made for himself a special coat to wear when he honored his father, so that he could stand up to Esau measure for measure and overcome Esau's kibarav. So basically we have these two rivals, these two forces in this world. By the way, the Medrash says, Esau is compared to a bull, and Yosef is compared to a shar, also a bull. Man, they're both going to ram into each other. Who's going to knock out who? It's Esau versus Yosef. This is a historic battle. 
This is a historic battle. And Yosef is trying to stand up to Esau specifically in the mitzvah of Kibbut Av. Now, one thing we have to think about is, what is so important about Kibbut Av? There are 613 mitzvahs. What's so important about Kibbut Aim? Why is this the mitzvah that Yosef has to match up to Esau? Is this the most important mitzvah in the Torah? And what we'd like to bring out this afternoon is, there's an element of this mitzvah that we're not fully aware of. Now, when... Does anybody remember, on that fateful day that Avraham Avinu died, Esau was cooking the beans, and Yaakov wanted to buy the birthright. Why did Esau give Yaakov the birthright? He said, I'm going to die anyway, I might as well give Yaakov the birthright. What did Esau mean, I'm going to die? What he meant was, he would risk his life every day to bring his father meat, to barbecue for his father. You know, it's not, it's not easy to go out into the jungle and hunt. And I once had the opportunity to speak in South Africa, and they took me on a safari. So during the nighttime, you go on one of these jeeps. So you basically feel secure, even though I'm not sure that you are, because the lions could just jump up and eat you for supper, and nobody would know. But during the day, you go out into the bush. And if you want to go out into the bush, you have a ranger in front of you, and he's like 50 feet in front of the group because he has to scout out the area. And there's a ranger behind you with a rifle because they want to make sure that you're not ambushed from behind from some kind of leopard or something. And if they see an elephant as much as a mile away and the elephant is in a certain stage of development, you're in big trouble. Even though the elephant's a mile away. So Esau would every day go out into the bush and go hunting. He said, and you know why he risked his life? He risked his life to honor his father. So he said, I'm going to die anyway honoring my father. Just take the Bukhar. That means if Yosef is going to stand up to Esau and honor to his father, he's going to have to risk his life also to honor his father. So on one day, Yaakov tells Yosef, where are the brothers? Where are my kids? Where's Ruvain? Where's Shemain? Where's Le- Where are they? I haven't seen them in a bit. Yosef, you want to go out and see how the Leichna, Re'eh, Shaloi, Machecha? You want to check out where, where your other brothers are? Now, was it safe for Yosef to go all by himself out far in the distance and check on the brothers? Yosef knew he was endangering his life. The brothers wanted to kill him. Does anybody know what word did Yosef say to Yaakov when Yaakov said, do me a favor, go check on the brothers? Yosef said one word. Hineni. Behold, here I am. I'm ready to do your bidding. I'll do whatever you want. Does anybody remember who else said to Hineni? When God told Abraham to go do the Akedah, Abraham also said Hineni. What Yosef was saying is, this is my Akedah. This is my biggest challenge in life. Because by me risking my life to honor my father, I'm going to be able to stand up to Esau neck to neck. I'm going to be able to go right back at Esau. So, there is one question that's really on my mind and that is did Esau ever meet Yosef in their entire history 
Did, the two, did those two people ever meet each other? Did they ever see each other? Because, I mean, these are the two titans. These are the two big antithetical forces in the world. Yosef and Esav. Did they ever meet each other? Does anybody remember in the whole Chumash? Did Esav ever meet Yosef? One time. Parshas Vayishlach. Yaakov Inu was away from his father for 22 years. He's headed back to the Holy Land. And Esav's coming with 400 men. And Esav's coming to annihilate Yaakov and his family. And he encounters Yaakov's family. And first he encounters Bilhah and her children. And then Zilpah and her children. And then Leah. And Yosef meets Rachel and Yosef. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, if the two antithetical forces in this world are Yosef and Esau, probably when, if those two guys ever got in the ring, it will be like, you know, heavyweight uh, wrestling match. I mean, what happened? Did anything monumental ever occur when Yosef and Esau met each other? And then it occurred to me that in that, at that fateful moment, when Yosef met Esau, he delivered to Esau the ultimate knockout punch for all eternity. How's that? Esau specialized in the mitzvah of honor your father. But there was one little detail lacking in Esau's mitzvah of Kibbutz. You know what was lacking? As much as he honored and respected and revered and served his father... He didn't care about his mother. He brought wives into the house that were disgusting to his mother. Esau's behavior was abhorrent to Rivka. Esau and Rivka did not get along. Ramban writes that when Rivka passed away, Esau did not even go to her funeral. Esau loved his father. He honored his father. He did not honor his mother or care about his mother. So regarding that part of the mitzvah, Esau was sorely lacking. So I believe when Yosef meets Esau for the first and last and only time, Yosef delivers to Esau the ultimate knockout punch. Because when Esau is meeting the family of Yaakov, he meets Bilhah and her children. And then Zilpah and her children. And then Leah and her children. V'acharkach, Nigash, then approaches Yosef v'Rachel. Wait a second. All the other mothers went before their children. Why by Rachel is Yosef standing in front of Rachel? Says Rashi, you know, Yosef had an opportunity to marry Rachel. And thank God, God saved her. Yosef knew that if Rachel ever encountered Esav, Esav's going to lay his dirty eyes on her. So you know what Yosef did? He stood up tall in front of Esav and he says, number one, you're not going to lay your dirty eyes on my mom. And I'm going to show to you that in your area of specialty, while you honor your father, you don't care about your mother and in our encounter, I'm going to knock you out because look at the concern I have, not only for my dad, but for my mom. And that was the ultimate knockout punch to Esau. I want to share with you an amazing observation. A few years ago, one of the, again, one of the greatest sages of our generation, Rav Aaron Leib Steinman of B'nai Brak, passed away, and somebody once asked him that... You know, we have a phenomenon in our generation 
that probably in our history we never had. You know, in my parents' generation, very few people had grandparents. When my parents were growing up in school, most kids in the class did not have grandparents. People's parents came over from Europe after the Holocaust. Most, the vast majority of kids did not have grandparents. And in our generation, most kids do have grandparents. Not only that, many kids have great-grandparents. I know people who had great-great-grandparents. Why in our generation has God all of a sudden changed the regular phenomenon that people have parents? And not only that, in our generation, you could have people who are grandparents themselves, they're still caring for their parents. My parents, my father cared for his father for many years in our house. My mom, every single day, would go over to my grandparents' house a few times, even till today, my grandmother is still alive. My mom, Shem should give her strength, goes over to her mother's house a few times every day. And my mother's a grandmother, and she'll, she's still caring for her mother. It's a very unusual phenomenon. And Rabbi Aaron Leib Simon explained that since we're in the generation right before the coming of Mashiach, and we have to overcome Esav and give him the final knockout punch, and Esav's power comes from the mitzvah of honoring your parents, God in our generation has given extra unusual opportunities to honor your father and mother more than any other generation in history. So I, I once saw a beautiful thought from Rabbi Shimon Schwab, great rabbi who lived in the previous generation, that there's one unique thing about Kibar Ava'im that does not exist by any other mitzvah. You know, there's an idea that when other Marishan was put in the Garden of Eden, when God told him, you could eat every fruit, just don't eat from the Eitz Hadas. When he ate from that fruit, do you remember what was going to happen before he ate from the fruit? People would live forever, and people wouldn't have to work for a living, and nobody would ever get sick. And Adam ate the fruit, and all of a sudden, now people die, and people have to work, and the whole creation has been downgraded. Adam sullied all of creation except for one mitzvah. There was one mitzvah that was never affected by the sin of Adam. You know what mitzvah that is? That's the mitzvah of honor your father and mother. You know why that mitzvah was unaffected? Because it was the only concept that did not exist in the Garden of Eden. Because Adam had no father and he had no mother. So the mitzvah of Kibar Ava'im retains its pristine what we call primordial form. It remains in its perfect form, unsullied, unaffected by the sin of other Marishan. So when a person fulfills that mitzvah, that's the mitzvah that has the power to bring the world back to the highest level that God intended. And therefore, until the end of days, one of the most, the fiercest battle between the Jewish people and our enemies is if we could overcome the merit that fuels the nations of the world, which is the honor that Esau showed his father. So, you have to understand, as valuable as your studies are in the school, and as important as everything you learn, it's also so important that when you go home, you put your learning into practice. Because the honor and respect that you show your father, and especially your mother, 
When I say especially, is because we have to address Esau's fault. That's a very powerful weapon in the hands of the Jewish people for to elicit the mercy of heaven and to bring the Mashiach closer. So I want to thank all of you for giving me the opportunity to be here this afternoon. I want to wish you a Ksiva V'chasim a happy, healthy, and sweet new year, and uh, lots of success in all your endeavors. Thank you very much. You've just experienced another Torah class, brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.